All right. Welcome. Welcome to Whiskey and Wino. I just took a shot of Jack Daniel's Tennessee Honey, which is not my usual go-to, but it's sweet and Jen provided it for me, so it's extra special. Oh, and I'm drinking red wine. That's about as far as I'm going to get into that. Because We're I don't fireball know. shots later, though. Right. <laughs> so this week, we are going to discuss some more heinous uh, crime activity. This one takes place in San Diego, and it's pretty recent. I think we both feel emotionally connected to it because it was in our city, and it's pretty, it's pretty fucked up. So. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, we both remember where we were at different parts of this case. Yes. So it kind of gives a little bit more of a connection. Um, this is the case. I'll just start it with Amber Dubois. So there are many more characters in this and unfortunately more victims. But um, I'll just lead in with Amber Dubois was a 14-year-old girl. She lived in Escondido, which is a bit north of San Diego. She disappeared on February 13th of 2009. She was last seen by her stepfather uh, before school. Her stepfather gave her $200 for a baby lamb to complete her 4-H science project. So she was super, super excited about this, and she uh, would never miss school on this specific day. She needed to get to school and buy her baby lamb. Um, she was always a um, an animal lover, so she was really excited about the 4-H project. And it wasn't until after school on that Friday that anyone realized anything was amiss because after school, she usually would come home and then call her mother at work and tell her that she was home. And on this particular day, she did not call her mom. And so about 4.30, her mom starts to get a little bit nervous because her daughter's not called her yet. And so her mom calls home. And when she calls home, Amber Dubois' stepfather answers the phone. And she asks, well, has Amber been home? He says, no, I haven't seen her since I gave her the check this morning to go to school. So the mom knows something's up and drives immediately home. And they're searching the streets and there's no sign of her. They eventually call the police and report a missing person. Then they find out she hadn't gone to school all day. She never made it. They did. They find out that the school did call home and nobody answered and there was a message on the machine, but the stepdad did not check the message. So upon Carrie realizing that something was wrong coming home, she called her ex-husband, who is Amber's father, Maurice. Uh, he was an electrical engineer in LA, so he was not in town. He dropped everything, came down to try and help. Even though he wasn't living near Amber, they were pretty close. And He was a good dad. He did yes. all the right things. He was a good guy. He was a good dad, for sure. So they really had nothing to go on. Um, there was a point, I remember they were looking at surveillance from the school and they saw some maroon car oh, yeah. at school. Uh, I remember that being on the news, but they didn't have anything to go off of. So they said they, there were a couple of parents. One had said they'd seen her walking like they normally do. And a second right. was the car. Yeah. Um, talking to a man, which... Who knows if that's true or not? You know, people all of a sudden come up with things. Right. 
Because they want to be on the news because they're fucking weird. Dave, who was Amber's stepdad, was the last person to see her. So they obviously, they zoomed in on him because that's their starting point. They didn't have anywhere else to go. It's not the husband. It's got to be the parent, right? Right. This is also a little bit unusual because he decided not to go to work that day. He owned a company that was... I believe it was a it was a scaffolding company. Say it was something construction scaffolding. Yes. Yeah, he owned his own company and he decided not to go to work that day. But he didn't tell anyone. He told the police when they were asking, you know, well, what happened? When did you go to work? When did you last see her? Um, He says he went to the gym in the morning and then came home to do taxes. So he didn't go to work, but he didn't tell his wife or girlfriend. I don't I don't know if they were married. Um, I thought they were. But yeah, I always stay at home and do my taxes and don't tell my wife. Well, and also another unusual thing to me was if you have your own business, I feel like you have someone to do taxes for you because that gets Agreed. real that's complicated. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, you just think you would tell your significant other, like, I never stay at home and my husband doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, not like I have to, like, run everything by him, but, like, you know, I'm sick or I'm like, hey, I took the day off or, you know, I decided not to go in today. Yeah. Or at least, I mean, it was 2009, so a text, like, hey. Right, exactly. I'm going to be home today. I decided I wanted to do the taxes and just, yeah. you know, do a bunch of things, get it done. No big deal. Okay, so I can kind of understand why he wouldn't tell his wife that he was not going to work because he brought her roses and chocolates to work. Oh, Chocolate-covered strawberries, matter of fact. So, can I tell you really quick why I know this? Yeah. Okay, so we were watching a documentary on it last night, me and my husband. And he's like, he didn't eat chocolate-covered strawberries. That's so gross. I'm like, I love chocolate-covered strawberries. Yeah, me? And he's like, you would never get them from me. I was like, well... <sighs> Not to shelf, but rude. I just want to bring that up real quick. That was our conversation last night, and I'm still upset about it. Who doesn't like chocolate-covered strawberries? That's fair. I mean, maybe if you have a strawberry allergy. I don't know. He doesn't. It's just a fruit, and he's like, oh, my God, it's not Midwest enough for me if it's not covered in starch and fried and soda. Oh, yeah. Chocolate-covered fruit is pretty much always a go for me. Agreed. Chocolate-covered pineapple. Apples. Yeah. Apricots. I'm in. 100%. Yeah. So Dave brings Carrie a special kind of Valentine's Day treat. Because, right, it's February. It's the day before. It's Friday the 13th, which, ooh, spooky. Ooh, right? But, I never thought of that till now. But Valentine's Day was on a Saturday. So if you're any sort of man with an ego, you'd like your wife's coworkers to yes. see what you're doing. Oh, it's not the husband. It's the wife that wants it. I want everyone to know I'm loved. Yes. Bring me presents. I totally like that. I'm yes. not going to lie. So Friday was kind of like the workplace Valentine's Day. So I can kind of understand why he wouldn't tell his wife, oh, I'm taking the day True. off because I'm going to bring you something. I, I don't know. I No, I get that. That's actually very Otherwise, legit. it's super suspicious. Carrie states that he hung around so long at work bringing these roses and chocolates that she almost had to kick him out. He was there for like 45 minutes. Oh, wow. She was getting a little uncomfortable. Like, I have work to do. And it was almost like he needed to be noticed at work. Oh, interesting take. Yeah. Okay. And so she was kind of getting uncomfortable. Like, okay, dude, I got to go. You know, thank like, you so love much. You, but right. got to back to work life. So upon hearing all of this information, the police really zeroed in on him. He took a polygraph test eight times. Yes, he Eight. did. And his whole take on it was, look, 
my daughter's missing. Clear me, then go find someone else. So however many polygraphs you need me to do, whatever you need to search, whatever needs to happen, get it done so that you can go focus on the real person. They also told him to stop looking for her because yes. you don't want to be the one to find her. Yes. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, no, then you're suspect. Yes. Number one. Which is, in your psyche, if you didn't do it, that's pretty fucked up. Like, well, I get it, though. I mean, it happens enough. Yes. But still, like, that's kind of fucked up. Because, like, well, I want to look for her. I love her. But yet, I guess if you did it, you know where to look. It's, it's a, to a double-edged sword, man. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible because, on the one hand, the police, they, they're trying to stress him out to make him break. So they're going to tell him whatever they need to. And on his point is, stop looking at me. Whatever you need, I'll give it to you. Yeah. But you need to look elsewhere. But don't they all say that? No one says, well, yeah, you should keep looking at me. Absolutely. I mean. So the, the way the police were looking at Dave, Carrie took Allison, which is Carrie and... Dave's child together, uh, Amber Dubois' half-sister. Uh, she takes Allison and moved out of the house because she was getting suspicious of Dave. She, she said she didn't want to sleep next to someone that might have killed her daughter. Yes, which is heartbreaking. It is. That's truly heart-wrenching. And she said that the reason why was she didn't think that Dave could ever premeditate or do something on purpose that he thought of killing her but he, she thought it perhaps was an accident because the follow like the before her disappearance about a month before they had stopped speaking Dave and Amber um they had gotten in too many fights and it was mostly just typical teenage stuff she wanted to do something he said no you know basically You're not my father yeah and you're 14 and we've yeah. all been there it was typical parenting stuff <clears throat> Dave was being a parent and the teenager didn't want to hear it, which no fault to anyone. That's the way normal life goes. Dave says that the night before Amber's disappearance, they made up after a month of not talking. I can see how Carrie would be suspicious. Like, oh, it just happened to be the, the night, night before. before. So, you know, she I can see how she got scared. Right. Your daughter's missing. Your world's upside down. You have another daughter. You're going to take her away from what and you the, think is the problem. And the police keep thinking it's this yeah. guy and they're putting pressure on you, yeah. too, and asking you questions. And then you start to think because you don't know where she's at. Exactly. We all know she's missing and we don't know what happened. And the last person to see her has some usually not suspicious things. But when mm -hmm. someone goes missing, all of a sudden everything's suspicious. Six months after Amber has been missing. Right. Dave, the stepdad, uh, his scaffolding company went under because he was so stressed out. Oh, I didn't know that. The whole company folded. He couldn't go to work. His wife had moved out with their daughter. And he's still enemy number one. Yeah. And the police aren't going to help him get his daughter from his wife who moved out because they think he killed his stepdaughter. So... Ugh. He's so isolated That's and terrible. all by himself. Around that time, which is about six months later, Carrie hires dogs to search. And they find her scent from where they thought she was missing to a reservation, the Paula Indian Reservation. Which is very desolated. It's a lot of um, desert shrubbery, I'd say. Yeah. Like in California, we're a desert. And you don't think that. You think of tall buildings and all that. But we actually have a lot of... 
open space. It almost looks like when you're watching video from Las Vegas, like the desert part outside of the right. strip we're not all of cactus-y, Las Vegas. But we're very bushy, but not like evergreens either. Sage. <laughs> Sage. Sage. Yeah, like it's, we're, we're desert. California is a desert. Yeah, they tracked her to the Pala Reservation, but they didn't find her body. And around this time is when Chelsea King goes missing. And you can give us some more information on Chelsea's disappearance. So Chelsea King was born in San Diego County in July 1st, 1992. Her father changed jobs. and They moved out of San Diego and lived in San Francisco and then on to Illinois for about 10 years. They returned to San Diego to live in the affluent family-oriented um, suburb of San Diego called Poway. Uh, Chelsea entered Poway High School as a freshman. She was very popular. As a senior, she had a 4.2 average. She was a peer counselor, ran cross country, played on the volleyball team, enjoyed writing poetry, and also played the French horn in the San Diego Youth Symphony. Wow. I know. She was a, she was a, such a slacker. That yeah, girl. right? I tell you. She should have done some more shit. <laughs> I mean, my God, woman. Chelsea was a vegetarian, and she was quite the environmentalist. She was about 5'5", five five, weighed about 115 pounds, with long red hair, blue eyes, and a gorgeous smile. She was best friends with her 13-year-old brother, and her parents cherished her, like most parents probably cherished their children, but they were all especially cro- uh, close. Mm-hmm. Crows close. They were very, they were very close. Yeah, you're close. Close, close. So Chelsea, because she was on the track team, usually went jogging after school in Poway. Um, She usually went around the same area, but she wanted to start running around Lake Hodges, which is very close to her home, but she had to drive there. So on February 25th, 2010, she decided to run in Rancho Bernardo Community Park. She was looking for a location for an environmental cleanup project that her and her friends were working on. And this wasn't even a school project. It was just for fun because that's what she wanted to major in in college. Wow. She was a creature of habit, and when it came to her schedule, she always made sure her parents knew where she was at. Um, She wasn't, you know, one of those teenagers like we've all been where we just go and do our own thing and... She was um, she was a good girl. Let's put it that way. She was a good yeah. girl. She was last seen leaving her school at 2 p.m. to go for her afternoon jog. She was always home by 5.30. When she didn't return home, her parents got worried because she hadn't called them and she was not answering her cell phone, which she always did. Ooh, cell phone at 2010. Is that mm-hmm. a thing? Yeah. The kids have... Yeah. We had cell phones when we worked together and that's about the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't a fucking kid. No, when we when we were kids, we did not have cell phones. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely not. I think 2009, oh. I got my first smartphone. <laughs> yeah, that's about right for all of us. You're about right. Yeah. Um, at a quarter to seven, Chelsea's dad called their cell phone provider and asked if they were able to ping Chelsea's phone. Wow. So they were on it. They were on the their get-go. shit. That's the one thing that fascinated me in my research. They were on their shit so freaking fast like it's impressive i'm not even gonna lie and that her parents and i mean they were on their shit so at a quarter to seven chelsea's dad called the cell phone provider and they were able to ping chelsea's phone and that it was at the rancho bernardo community park her father drove over to the park which is about five minutes away and saw her 1997 black bmw Ooh, Ooh, right it shows what an affluent area it was yeah in the parking lot by the tennis courts he looked inside the windows and saw her purse 
her school clothing lying on her seat. He tried to follow the closest trails, calling out her name, thinking maybe she had fallen and hurt herself. At 7.15 p.m., now remember, at 5.30, they were all home, and they tried to call her. At 7.15, they called the police and reported her missing. So this is now, it's February, so it's dark. Yes, February 25th. 5 o'clock, it's dark. Um um daylight savings time thank starts. you mm-hmm. i was gonna say twilight that doesn't sound right <laughs> yes daylight savings time so yes it was dark and um 7 he reported her missing and the police were brought in to search the area as was the fbi one of the things between ember dubois and chelsea king that people have brought up was that they feel like because chelsea king although ember dubois was also white um chelsea king they were in affluent area not that escondido is a ghetto by any means that People paid more attention to hers um, because of the, you know they had money. Obviously, she drove a BMW, and I, I mean, think honestly, also, any missing child should it should be a priority regardless of your race or your income. But I agree. I also think that with Amber Dubois, she had a stepfather, which is a true. lot of people think is removed from the family. Even though Amber's stepfather was had there for been, like seven years, yeah, had been her stepfather since she was like six. And he had a daughter with her mother, so she had a, you know, it was very close. But I think, you know, just looking at it from an outsider's perspective, you may think that it was a family person who did it to Amber Dubois versus Chelsea King, who, you know, their parents were very big in the community. They were really a close-knit family from the outside. Everyone could kind of see. I mean. And they did not at this point think anything was connected. Obviously, they're connected. That's why we're talking about them both in this podcast. But at the time, there was absolutely no connection. Right. So on February 27th, remember, she went missing on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a huge, 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 huge. Everybody, there were like 200 people in the community. Poway really came together. They were all looking for her. It was a huge thing. They had the boats out. They sent 25 FBI, which is a lot for a disappearance with no with no foul play indicated except i mean her car was found right her cell phone was pinged obviously she didn't decide to run away and leave her purse in her car she had no boyfriend i mean there were a lot of factors that led to this was definitely some kind of uh suspicious activity so on february 27th they found a pair of her underwear in lake hodges neighborhood so they started scouring the lake um they started looking at crimes they also found her socks oh did they near the underwear Mm mm-hmm um, it was kind of on the shore, and they started looking at crimes that may have have ah, may have happened in the park at that time. So we move on really quick. Well, as as they were doing that, they sent those underwear and socks to get DNA. Yes, they did. So and you know, like you said, they were also looking for other crimes that were gone on in Lake Hodges area. Which they probably started a little before that. It probably started about February twenty sixth. So the police decided to see if there were recent crimes in the park and they came about they came <laughs> they came upon a report of a jogger being robbed on December twenty seventh, two thousand nine. So about almost three two months before this happened. Candace McHale, am I saying that McHale. right? Mankayo mm-hmm. was just finishing her last mile of her mile run at the Rancho Bernardo Community Park. A man was walking towards her. Good morning, she said as a man was walking towards her, and he answered good morning back. Then all of a sudden, the man tackled her, climbed on top of her, and pinned her to the ground. She started screaming, and he covered her mouth, telling her to shut up. She yelled no and said, you will have to kill me. He told her that could be arranged. And then he told her all the crude things he wanted to do to her body. She started screaming again, and he said, give me all your money. She told 
home, she didn't have any money. What the man didn't know is that her father was a five-time kickboxing champ and that she had been in jujitsu the majority of her life. Fuck yes. She's a badass She's a fucking badass. She jabbed her right elbow into his face, crushed his nose, and ran as fast as she could, outrunning him to the nearest house and called police. She described the suspect as a white male, brown hair, cut in a military style, dark eyes, 230 pounds, 5'11", clean-shaven, wearing jeans, a blue and white striped shirt. Since this accident was seen as a robbery, they made no connection First of all, to Amber. I'd like to say what a badass she is. But she secondly, is a badass. Secondly, who the fuck goes to somewhere where there's people jogging for a robbery? If you're, It is... That's true. If you're a Who police, carries a thousand dollars while yeah, they're jogging? If you're a police officer and you you hear about this story, this woman was attacked. She was pinned down to the floor, and it was supposedly a robbery. Wouldn't your hackles go up? Like who's pinning a woman down to get to, money? to rob her? Right? Wouldn't you just bring a gun and say, "Give and me your money"? Secondly, she's jogging. She doesn't have a purse. She doesn't have her phone. She's just and she's telling he's telling her all the. All the shit he wants, he wants to rape her and he's telling her what he's going to do to her. Yeah. Robberies don't go that way. No. Like, like if they want to rob you, they just rob you. They don't talk about, they don't pin you down and tell you the shit they want to do to your body. I feel like they would say, you know, if you're a police officer, like it's an attempted rape versus an attempted robbery. Yeah. But she beat his ass. Yeah. She's fucking awesome. She is. She's a freaking hero in herself, man. She's definitely key. And they actually brought out a um, composite sketch artist from Colorado Springs. <gasps> Detective Joe Kenda. Well, I'm thinking like, wow, like they have no one on the West Coast that can do that. Yeah. Um, I don't. Honestly, I don't remember if that was after Chelsea King was missing or before. I'm not really sure. I'm guessing before because that's a that's a really small time period. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, February 27th, they found the underwear in the socks and they went to do a DNA test. And well, something came back with a known sex criminal, a known man that had gone to prison for sexually a super a violent sexual assault on yeah. a minor. And Jen's going to talk about that. Tell us about Mr. Piece of Shit John Gardner. All right. So. So John Gardner was originally arrested when he was 20 years old. He was arrested for the brutal beating and attempted rape of a, uh, I believe she was 13 years old. Yes. 13 years old. It was a neighbor of his. Um, They lived in an apartment complex and he lured the neighbor over and he tried to rape her. And when she fought back, he decided it was a good time to kick the shit out of her. And she was (coughs) another badass woman who got herself away. This man is 200 and something pounds, six feet tall. He was on top of her on a couch in his room and she got away from him and ran and Which is amazing. Yes. Because he was super violent. He beat the shit out of her. Yes. He hurt that girl. She ran to a neighbor. John was arrested. John Gardner was arrested. So in 2000, he pleaded guilty to molesting a 13-year-old, beat her, fondled her until she escaped and ran for help. What a, um, what a badass. He could have Asshole. been sentenced to 10 years. Uh, doctor- Why would we do that? Yeah. Dr. Matthew Carroll said that Gardner showed no evidence of a psych disorder and showed no remorse. Well, he said that he should be sentenced to the full max. He was saying, you know, he doesn't have any evidence of anything wrong with him. He's just a douche. Sentence him (laughs) to the max. Um, The judge did not agree. And fuck you, judge. 
Yeah. You get to live with that. So the judge sentenced him to six years. He was released in five with parole for three years. While he was in prison, uh, Dr. Divi Kikani. Wait, can we talk? Her name is Divi? I actually don't know if it's a man or a woman. Okay, their name is Divi? Divi. All right. Yeah. Uh, they wrote the judge to recommend probation so he could get inpatient psych treatment for meds, sorry, inpatient psych treatment and meds for 90 days. The doctor said that John Gardner needs counseling for anger and impulse control, hmm. which like That's, fucking, that yeah. That was true. That was legit. Yeah. Not to go into a whole lot of John Gardner's past. But like we're going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. need to. I'm not trying to say that he needs any leniency or anything or doesn't need leniency, but he did not have a super stellar upbringing. His mother, believe it or not, is a psychiatric nurse. When he was younger, when he was six years old, he was lighting fires. First case of serial killer. Yeah. Arson. Um, Did he kill any animals? I'm not sure. Uh, It just says that Kathy, his mom, was desperate for help because her six-year-old son was emotional and was setting fires. He wasn't stable. Wasn't his dad like a piece of shit? John Gardner's father, whose name is John Albert Gardner II. So John Gardner's actually a third. Third of a piece of shit. Asshole that we're talking about. (laughs) But his father was... He was an abusive alcoholic, but he wasn't in his life for too long. I'll go into that in a in a minute. But uh, his mother, Kathy Osborne, she married John Albert Gardner II when she was 25 in 1980. For those following along, John Gardner III was born April of 1979. So, so he's an Aries. He, I was more getting the fact that his parents weren't married before. Oh. oh. <laughs> Oh, so they were doing it out of wedlock. Shame, shame. So she also uh, brought to the marriage two daughters that she had when she was a teenager. So she had two daughters. And then, yeah, which she became a nurse and worked. And I mean, so she was driven, I guess. You know, she had three kids, three little kids and and became a nurse. Yeah. So, I mean, later on, we'll get into her as person so you can Mm. withhold your judgment Um, oh i've got judgments i'm not sure about the living situation with the older sisters of john i don't know if they had like shared custody with their father or if they were living with the mom full-time but john's parents divorced in 1989 so john was 10 and i don't know the specifics of when this happened this uh the divorce but john was committed to a psychiatric hospital for 60 days when he was 10 so i don't know if that was like because of the divorce like as a trigger or what a lot of kids don't do well in divorce but they don't usually get psychiatric care especially in the 80s yeah well i'm thinking perhaps it was he was probably killing animals and doing arson yeah probably well his mom was a psychiatric nurse so oh, perhaps that's true it was like she saw some signs right she got an in yeah i don't know a free two weeks stay yeah 60 days oh 60, 60 days da- that's two months. two months that's a long time for for that to happen um hmm. she knew then he was a freaking monster yeah well she at least suspected something was yeah, off. she had a feeling. 
I mean, generally speaking, I think your first course of action is to see a therapist. As opposed to just put them, lock them up. Right. So after the divorce, Kathy got full custody. Uh, They were living in Lake Arrowhead, California. In 1996, John was 17. Kathy went to court to seek out unpaid back child support payments of John's father. He has one, you know, seven years previous. Apparently, he was supposed to pay $70 a month. Uh, Kathy says the reason she brought it up was because John started to ask if his father ever gave her money. I am wildly speculating, but I think it's possible that perhaps it's because John was about to turn 18 and... She wanted him out of the house. Well, no. She was going to give him two grand tickets, fuck out? No. <laughs> I was thinking more like she couldn't get the back child support once he turns 18. Oh. So this was like her last bid. Yeah, I'm not sure. Your microphone. Just I didn't know what happen. It's just not there we go. Um very movie. So, yeah, she was a nurse. She was making relatively good money. I mean, she was affording her kids in Southern California. That's something. You have to be making a little bit of money for that. But, I mean, it's child support. So if he was ordered to pay it, it doesn't really matter how much she was making. She deserved $70 a month. Yeah. She says if she didn't go to court and request it, she was sending a message to John that he wasn't important enough and that the responsibility doesn't have to mean commitment. I mean, I don't know. I kind of agree in a certain way. Like, you do need to teach your kids that. You know, if you commit to something or if you make a life choice, you have to, you know, take the consequences, good or bad. But I feel like there's other ways you could go about teaching that. Agreed. Other than having to, you know, basically use your son as a pawn. He attended Rim of the World High School in Lake Arrowhead and he graduated in 1997. Poor Rim of the World. With a GPA of 3.2. So he was. That surprises me, honestly. Yeah, he was a, he was a pretty average student john's girlfriend she remembered he was uh, pretty unremarkable but that he <laughs> did get that's what everyone wants to hear <laughs> <laughs> but she did remember he was teased a little bit for being unpopular that seems weird like haha yeah. you're not popular like that's that's a sure. very weird term he also during high school worked at a local arrowhead resort as a lifeguard oh so he was must be the lake, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's Arrowhead Resort. I imagine it's the lake resort. Yeah. I don't know. When he was a senior in high school, five days before Christmas, his mother had him deliver divorce papers to his stepfather, who oh. he he actually liked. Aww. So that's kind of what I was saying about perhaps his mom was using him up as a pawn to get the child support. Like, it seems like she kind of relied on him for certain things. And I don't know if it's maybe she was she needed a little bit of extra money at the time where she needed the child support. And so she used him, you know, to get as an excuse like, oh, you know, if you ask me, did your dad ever give you money? There's a lot of deadbeats that don't pay their child. Oh, support. God. Yeah. That's why they garnish your wages. Yeah. And- all that because and I'm sure those parents are like well you know no they're not paying or like what's the harm in just saying no your dad didn't pay child support yeah like period okay 
Right? It's not unusual. It's not a reflection on the child for any means. Yeah. I'm not sure what her motivation was. But I I mean, as a mother, I can definitely speak for possibly doing something the wrong way, even though you think you're doing the right thing, you know? so She's I still a bitch. Yeah, I don't really... I'm going with the bitch theory. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything more about her than what's like portrayed in the news media. So oh, we'll could, get there. Okay. <laughs> After he graduated in 1998, he moved with his mother to Rancho Bernardo which is a community 20 minutes north of downtown, and it borders Poway. So it, it's right just west, in case anyone needs to know the geography. It's very pretty here, of it. if you ever want to go. Yeah. Also, so then two years later, he gets arrested, you know, for the beating of the 13-year-old. And he beat a 13-year-old. I don't know. I mean, my God. I don't know. <sighs> in 2004, while her son was in prison for the heinous sex crime against the 13-year-old. Kathy remarried, and they lived in the RB condo. Um, and according to the Union Tribune, she also got her master's in nursing from the University of Phoenix during that time. Oh. So when John Gardner was released in 2005, after serving five of his six-year sentence, he was placed on parole for three years, and he moved between Riverside and San Diego counties. His permanent address on record was with his grandmother, in Riverside County, which is why when they checked nearby sex registries um, after the disappearance of Amber and Chelsea, his name never came up. So it wasn't until 2007 that sex offenders could have more than one address on file. So he was just supposed to update his address if he moved his permanent residence after five days. So because he wasn't technically living with his mother, he was just staying there for extended periods of time. He didn't change his address. Well, in Riverside, he was actually in Lake Elsinore in Riverside County. And that's about 45 minutes from Rancho Bernardo. I don't know. I, it's just a straight I shot guess. on the 15. Yeah. So she wasn't far away. No. And I don't know, like, I don't know how big her condo was. I don't know if he had a room there or if he just stayed there, like, on the couch. So maybe he just thought his room was in Riverside. I don't know how yeah. clever he is. Like, I don't know if he was trying to hide the fact that he was down in Rancho Bernardo or if he's, like, I don't feel like I could give him enough credit. I feel like he lived there. I feel like she had a room. I don't know if the sisters lived there, but I feel like he didn't just sleep on a couch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the, he was grown. Oh, yeah. I mean, so his sisters were grown, too. They probably were yeah. off with their own lives. Second arrest uh, was made on February 28th, 2010 at a local restaurant called Hernandez Hideaway. And that was located in Del Dios, which is right near Lake Hodges, which is where they found all the evidence of the underwear and socks and stuff that had the DNA that was leading to him. So they found him and arrested him. So on March 2nd of the same year, a few days later after John was arrested, um, they found the body of Chelsea King. She was only 10 feet from where they had found her clothing, but she was in a shallow grave. And since the temperatures were so cold at that time of year, only her nose had started to decompose. Oh, and that's why the cadaver dogs didn't find her body. So uh, did he tell them where she was? Or no, they, just okay. they found her. I do want to say um, this one part I read really quick from the book, uh, The Lost Girls. Um, the sheriff at the time, Bill Gore, became really close in the four days, four or five days with the King family. And there was so much media coverage at this time that when they found the body, they didn't want to just throw her on the back of an ATV. And they didn't want to put her in the truck and have the media follow her and have it be this big old thing. So what they did is they, the four of them, um, these four sheriff, FBI, 
put her onto a boat to cross Lake Hodges so they could sneak her off so oh, the media wow. wouldn't be alerted because he wanted Bill Gore wanted to make sure he told the parents that they had found Chelsea and the media actually didn't know for days they kind of made it up like hey we possibly found the body even yeah. though we That's all knew it was the most humane thing I've ever heard. But that I thought that Gore was has ever done. That was really touching to me. Yeah, that he did that. He was actually one of the pallbearers at her funeral too. The sheriff, the sheriff's oh department God. was um, asked by the King family to do that. Um, so then he was arraigned on attempted rape and charges connection to Chelsea King's disappearance and the attack on Candace in December 2009. The I don't want to say funny, haha, but nobody thought he was connected to Amber Dubois. Mm-hmm. Um, Maurice Dubois actually came out and said, you know, I'm really sorry about Chelsea King, but don't forget about my daughter. Mm-hmm. And they had asked Carrie, Amber Dubois' mom, they had asked her, do you think it's connected? And she had said no. But how did that go over? Um, well, when he was arrested, John told authorities where to find Amber's body so that they would take the death penalty off the table. He basically alluded that he knew what happened to Amber Dubois and that he would make a deal. And they had exhausted all leads for Amber Dubois' uh, family to have closure, like to find the body and everything. And they just, you know, it was fine. Uh, they took the death penalty off the table but john says in an interview um that i was watching on 48 hours mystery special that he gave the location of amber dubois because it was the right thing to do and other bullshit like that um he's such a fucking he skeeves me out to just watch him talk like it was the right thing to do he's so just arrogant and like ugh. um John said that he was looking forward to death and he just wanted to get it over with. That makes two of us, dude. And I'm looking forward to your death, too. <laughs> he just wanted to sound like some kind of badass or something like I'm not afraid of death. I, you know, I want to go get the death penalty or whatever. But it's like bullshit. Nobody knew that he was connected to Amber no. in any way. No, you wanted like, to brag. Exactly. You wanted your bragging rights. Exactly. He's just an asshole. Um, so after he commit committed after he admitted to the killing of Amber Dubois um, her mother Carrie wanted to hear from him and how it went down and she wanted the details she wanted an interview with him which some people thought was like the why police were against it yeah but I I kind of get it because she's been living for a year with her imagination just playing over she and wanted over. to know if she called out for her mm-hmm which breaks my heart yeah and at least if she heard what actually happened that could be her fact and she could stop going you know all over the making place up her, her own yeah her own last minute so it was granted and john and carrie spoke john told carrie that on the day of amber's murder he, he tried to kill himself by taking five tabs of acid and drinking 18 beers oh yeah because acid With, kills you well, it's been known and i'm sorry 18 beers why don't you just take a gun and shoot yourself? Because he had a gun when you got Amber in the car, right? No, he didn't have one. He, Did he said he had he one. He said he had yeah, one. Yeah, he had okay. a knife. Well, but you, still, you could have stabbed yourself. Yeah, and if fucking you, liar. If you really want to be, there's a lot of ways be, to die. Drive yourself into a bridge. Whatever. Well, and completely sounding like an alcoholic. But if you want to get <laughs> drunk fast, probably you not don't beer. Don't drink beer. <laughs> like you know how long it takes you to right. drink eighteen. You'd beers? be peeing half of it out yeah. the entire time. Fuck that. Like just like chug a bottle of something. They have like, the beautiful Coronado Bridge. You could just drive right off. Yeah. Or jump off. Well, I guess you can't really drive off it. Jump right off. Oh, and he said he felt so guilty the whole year he was oh. caught. Which is such bullshit. That I tried to do it again to Candace, and then I did it to Chelsea because I felt so bad. Well, and you had the whole year to turn yourself in. Like, if yeah. you were so, And like, his mom scared. helped look for Amber Dubois. 
Oh my God. She had an inkling. He might've been really attached to it in the book. That's what it says in the wow. lost girls that she wondered, especially about Chelsea. Cause it was so close to where she lived, mm-hmm. but, um, she was in the search party. Well, he keeps saying that he was trying to get help and I'll go into that a little bit further. But like if you walked into a police station and said that girl, Amber Dubois, that everyone's been looking for, I killed her. I know where the body is. And then you took them to the body. They would have put you away. They would lock you up. Yeah. And then that's that. There's your help or whatever. Um, He also in the interview he did with Carrie said that Amber was not at school and that he passed her, um, then pulled up next to her and showed her a knife, but said he had a gun and she needed to get in the car. And she said this just like is so sad because I totally this is such a real reaction she says are you kidding me (laughs) like I mean if someone said that to me right I feel like that could be a very real thing yeah you get in the car he said for the 40 minutes it took them to get to the Pala Indian Reservation she did beg for her life but she did not cry Mm. and that she listened to the radio and they got to the Pala Indian Reservation and he raped her and stabbed her to death. When asked, Carrie said that she felt she had closure after talking with him because she knew the story and she knew what happened. What's odd is the MOs are so different and usually for a serial killer because he strangled Chelsea and he left the body where people could find her, where he drove Amber 40 40 minutes away into the middle of nowhere and then stabbed her after he raped her. It was his first. Perhaps he was like fuck that I'm not maybe it wasn't intimate enough yeah I I I mean he's like a mass creepo I can't even begin to think like usually because he he also says that it was uh rage and not yes sexual yes he did and it's say like that. you're telling me that you were so fucking full of rage that you got this little girl off the street and sat with her for 40 minutes right. and you were still so enraged that you got out of the car like and most people and go and they go to a bar and they get in a fight yeah or like or you I go could, to a gym and like punch some bags or you kill yourself i don't know i could also see how if you wanted to say rage fueled chelsea's it makes more sense because it was maybe he was out there hiking and he just lost a shit and she was found there. So right. But with Amber, like you don't fucking pick somebody up and then drive them 40 minutes. All could you imagine how full of rage you would have to be to kill someone and have it last like an hour and you're si- yeah you're sitting there for so fucking long that like bullshit. He's just a perv. Yeah, who you're is- just sick. We can go into his that. mom a little bit. Um. Before they found, uh, right after they found Chelsea, they had vandalized his mom's house by painting on her garage. Chelsea's blood is on you. Move out. And she got death threats. And I mean, the neighborhood was pissed. Like this brought San Diego County in general together. And as a community, they were pissed because they, she had said she had, she thought he might be responsible. I get it. It's your kid, but you knew he was a monster. When you think that way about your child, yeah, and you have that wrong. inkling, like, you know, he's a monster. Yeah. Well, there's like certain things that you naturally could say for your kid. Like if I'm in my backyard and I see that there was like a toy that was broken and think, oh, my kid probably did that, you know, like something very small right. like that. Like most of the time, <laughs> oh, there was a murder. Something... Oh, I wonder if that was my kid. Right? That's like, not a normal reaction. Huh. No, absolutely. Most not. of the time they can't believe it. They're like, yeah. I can't believe that was my kid. Yeah. Or they you say know? like, 
the they're nice guy de- next door, you yeah. know? Or they're in denial for so long. Like, but no, she was that's... like, mm, I kind of wondered. And I asked him about it. Like she asked what? him about it. In the book, it says that she asked him about it. What if he had say? anything to do with the, the disappearance. Dude, if you, if, if you felt that way, and this is kind of where I understand, like where people were saying that, like you knew your son was a registered sex offender and you didn't do anything about it. And a violent sex offender at that. And he beat her. Yeah. So like if you felt that enough to ask your own fucking kid if they did something, I'm sorry. Like Ted Bundy's reason. girlfriend was much more on top of her shit than <laughs> this mom. Like she right. didn't ask Ted Bundy. Did you do that? Like, did you fuck up? She fucking called the cops and said, hey, uh, my boyfriend matches all this stuff. You know, I mean, all she had to do was pick up her phone. Nobody needed to know it was her that ratted her own kid out. No. Like, or said, maybe you should look at my son. Yeah. If my kid already went to prison for a violent sex offense on a minor and that happened, I perhaps might call the police and say, hey, because that's the other thing. You know why everybody said that Chelsea's blood was on her hands because she didn't she let him stay at her house. Yeah. And he wasn't documented anywhere. Um, like and when he attacked Candace and she broke his nose, she noticed, you know, he had a broken nose and he had scratches on him. He didn't have anything to answer for that. Like all the signs were there. Yeah. Well, and that's like even if she had called the parole officer and said, you know, I know we can only have one address on file, but he does tend to stay down here. If there was a note in the system that was like, oh, he he also is in this area all the time. And um, we've been looking to put him. She drove, according to her, she drove him. She called up mental institutions and said, mm-hmm. I need you to take my son. And they wouldn't take him. She called, she says she claims she called police offices, you know, sheriff stations. Hey, my son doesn't think he controls urges and they did nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you do? Well, but also it says um, in Caitlin Rother's book, that Lost Girls, uh, Kathy says that they wouldn't take her son because he was a registered sex offender and that the facilities or the, the psych wards or whatnot, they won't take registered sex offenders if they're violent, which I can understand, but right. there's got to be some some space for we something We just like haven't that. figured out what to do with sex offenders yet. Yeah. Nobody wants them in their neighborhood. Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a catch-22. Yeah. I'll but give you that. In it's the a book, uh, Caitlin says that Kathy couldn't produce any uh, evidence that she called or she wouldn't. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'll give it, it's tough. You don't want to, you don't want to turn on your own kid, but at the same time, you can't just let him go around butchering little girls either. Yeah. Like I, it's a fine line. I mean, if it was something like, you know, you found out your son is stealing cars and putting, yeah. And putting the cars in the chop shops or whatever, like maybe you'd be like, knock it the fuck off. Right. Like don't bring that shit to my house. It's a victimless crime in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's it's a fucking, big difference between butchering little girls and and it's murder. It's not like he got bars. in a bar fight and knocked somebody out and accidentally killed him with a punch. Like right. this is a predatory. Like and he's raping them he's on top d- of it. Yeah, I, their last moments on earth are horrendous and disgusting and terrifying, and that's fucked up. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. Can't believe no one's killed him in prison yet. We can always hope. Oh, so after it came out that it was John Gardner. Um, and people started graffitiing, you know, the, her garage door and all that stuff. 
people started researching who Kathy was and um, questioning like her character. Was she trying to hide this, you know, monster and whatnot? And they found out that she was a member of a running club. I was wondering if you were going to bring that yeah. up. It's so funny and weird. And they God, were it makes called. You think. <laughs> they were called the Hash House Harriers, and they drank beer and shared bad or naughty jokes that were sexual in nature. And like, so if weird. that speaks to her judgment, people Did they have would weird little nicknames like I don't the know. absolute like they gave each other nicknames like the absolute whore. Oh, um, they have it. It's in the book. All these little weird know. nicknames. But I feel I like <laughs> if you're laugh. in a running club uh. that shares dirty jokes and drinks beer. It's I kind of a contradiction, say, isn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't say, oh, she's deviant. Oh, she's no. fucking raising But, bad you know, people. people throw this out there and then you just look like a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Even though. <laughs> yeah. So, it's I, just like, weird. I'm not saying she's good or bad, but I feel like if that's where you're judging it from, like, perhaps you need a little bit more evidence. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, that's so silly. So his. Well, he pled guilty, so okay. um, there wasn't a huge trial by any means. It was just the victim's parents and Candace got to say a speech. And one of the interesting things when Candace, the jogger that got away from Gardner, um, you know, she said how it had changed her life and then how lucky she felt that she got away when Amber and Chelsea didn't. Um, she asked John, like, how's your nose? And he made... He looked like an angry toddler. He looked like he was going to <laughs> he looked jump like out of his skin and murder her. Like, yeah, but he I was mean, looking... that's the look that we'd all been waiting for. Like, yeah. oh God, because I got it on camera. Like, his face yeah. was like, I wish I fucking killed you. And it was so scary to think that that's probably the face that those two little girls yeah. saw. Like, that was is terrifying. But he looked like he was like a like a pathetic guy sitting there and like, then all of a meh. sudden she it called was me like, out yeah it was like a, a switch like a light switch yeah and it he just... went from stoic to she hit a nerve mm -hmm. because she got away he didn't like that and she broke his nose yeah and she's fucking feisty yeah. telling him like how's how's your nose yeah like that mm, how's a hand yeah what's going on yeah he's extremely annoying to listen to if anybody ever listens to any of his yeah he did interviews interviews in the court like he's just one of those people who you feel like punching them in the face yeah like, just when yeah they, when just he listen to him mouth, talk like fucking he's just an idiot well and he's always he pulls the the thing of you know i really there's something wrong with me you know it's kind of like how the btk killer was like the fucking factor x or or you know that was like that there's something in him that's different or whatever and he can't control it john <laughs> gardner does something very similar of like there's something wrong with me and you know like I need to be locked up forever. Yeah. And I did this and, you know, yeah, sure. I'm sorry. And I'm going to do it again. If you it. let me out, I'm going to do mm -hmm. it again. But they said he never showed remorse. No, he doesn't. He doesn't show remorse. He's said, you know. He yeah, never said, I'm sorry, I, I did it. He's, he's a fucking, he's a shit show. But there um, were, there's always a silver lining if you can actually have one in this kind of case. In San Diego, we have um, Amber Dubois. Um, oh, what's it called? Like in remembrance, like freeway. Same with Chelsea King. I just said I'm um, like seven times in a row. Chelsea. Thank God for edit. <laughs> they did this thing for about gosh eight years called um, Finish Chelsea's Run. Yes. 
And once a year, it actually got so large, they had to move it to Balboa Park, which is in downtown San Diego, where the San Diego Zoo is. Which is where they have all the like San Diego rock and roll marathon. The AIDS walk, the breast cancer walk. That always takes place in Balboa. Yeah. So it had to move down there. They ended it, I think, last year. They stopped doing Chelsea's run, but they do. They have the Chelsea's Light Foundation. And they also put in Chelsea's Law, which is a legislation proposing lifetime GPS tracking for convicted sex offenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo Dubois also helped with passing laws. I don't know if it's that law specific, if he helped. I'm sure he was somewhere in there. Um, But he also has, uh, it helps track the sex offenders and to get police involved faster for missing kids. Like if you know to be able to track the sex offender yeah he's he's been very instrumental um but he and his girlfriend who he was with her at the time of amber's disappearance they actually moved to seattle and opened up a little uh shop oh yeah yeah it's i believe the kings moved out of san diego too yeah Um, not positive on that but i believe they did dave and carrie are together i mean as of last year i think she did a little local interview her and and dave are together and they're in counseling and they're taking it one day at a time which i mean that's a relationship one day at a time (laughs) right any relationship is a one day at a time yeah i mean i think like he dave was saying you know he's really trying to get past it but he's just very hurt that she believed that he could have done something to amber it would be hard to get over when it, your significant other believes you killed their, yeah. their child. And I get Carrie's point, too. Like, don't get me wrong, but as a step-parent myself, that would hurt my feelings. Yeah. But well, I think it's... I get it. You know, like, and Carrie's just a very... She's just a determined woman, you know? She makes her mind up about something, and she's... And she didn't back down. She, she yeah. doesn't apologize for thinking that. Well, and she also, like, she wanted to talk with... John Gardner's mom outside of the courthouse and it looks like she's kind of accosting her but it's more of a <sighs> his you big sister stop that yeah. John Gardner's sister said stop harassing my mom yeah which I don't feel like Carrie was harassing her I think like Carrie had said that she just kind of wanted some sort of an apology not admitting guilt on her part but just kind of like I acknowledge that this happened and I'm, I'm sorry for, about your daughter you know yeah. not not saying like I know my son is a monster and blah 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 like but just some sort of acknowledgement of like my son is the reason that we're all here right now and just right. you know like because her life was flipped upside down too absolutely the mom. but you know you'd think you'd want to just acknowledge it. and I'm sure her lawyers were saying don't talk to anyone because it could be used as an admit of guilt like I'm sure there's other reasons but I don't think they ever talked yeah because his her daughter was like shielding her from Carrie. Uh, and I also read in a, so most of the information I have come, is from the local news channels, um, like ABC 10 and CBS 8 and, and a couple other local stations. But I read an article in the San Diego Reader, uh, which is like, I don't know if every city has a reader. They're like the free, free um, magazines that are outside grocery stores and stuff. Come in weekly. Yeah, they tell you got, the concerts coming up and and it was kind of like Craigslist like before Craigslist. Yeah, you know, like it would have the back pages and although I think they took the back pages out because people were advertising for prostitution. Yeah, <laughs> apparently you can't do that. It's frowned upon. Um, <laughs> so, but in this article said that he was wearing a GPS. Uh, John Gardner was until four months prior to Amber's murder, mm. and Ouch. uh it showed that he had visited that place they found Amber before. So he had like Common been planned, there before. Like, oh, I could put a body out here. Yeah. Totally. I could rape little girls out here. 
Cool. So it doesn't it didn't say what like why he said he was there or even if he was questioned, but he broke parole no fewer than 168 times while wearing that GPS monitor and never went back to jail for being too close to schools or daycares. Oh, that's and so then gross. yeah, just uh, he was just places that he wasn't supposed to be. So I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where the government gets involved. You make a law, people break it. There's no consequence of it right like he's supposed to 168 this- times that's freaking crazy well and you think if you're wearing a gps monitor wow. i mean from a from a just a civilian perspective is oh good they know where he is like it's a safety right. thing but if you're not gonna fucking look at it the, you could be wearing a fucking keychain around your yeah you might as well be like but yet you don't arrest him but if someone's selling pot you freaking put them in prison but, also, you know, why put this violent sex offender in for violating parole? This article talked about John Gardner's sons. Yes, he has twin boys, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old they are, but it's his ex-girlfriend said that he cheated on her. And it was at this uh, uh, one particular party. He had sex with five different girls at this one party while he was supposedly with this girlfriend and Ew. that's when this girl got pregnant so it wasn't a relationship oh like it I was did not a, know that so and again this is just an article in the reader it says an ex-girlfriend it doesn't say her name so oh. i don't know what it all is but like fucking five like there's no way like what party you to go to where you're like he wasn't that attractive so yeah he wasn't ted bundy well and and Ew. like it's a house party it's not a bar how many people are there wouldn't it it's not a swingers club yeah like wouldn't you notice that somebody went away with him and then he came back would you go away with him and like, like four more times yeah oh that's weird i did not i, don't I know. did not know that that's creepy as hell but yeah it's the it, twin boys so uh also in this article it did mention that he was sexually abused by an aunt when he was a minor and it didn't go into details but they did have sex so i don't i mean i don't know if that was part of like perhaps the psychiatric hospital like i'm speculating and this is not proven at all but like hmm. what if i mean it's 10 right so i feel like that's uh, i don't know I, I how don't you know look how. at a kid and just get turned on i don't know i, I don't know it. i don't it's know fucking I, weird it's disgusting but it I'm also doesn't say Meh. what the like how the aunt is a couple articles i was looking at they're always quoting family members, but they don't say how they're related. Like, Right. It could be a third cousin, yeah, you know, yeah. 18 times removed. One of the... Um, or they just say, I'm John Gardner's relative, and they go, okay. Well, this person who spoke out and said that uh, Kathy, John Gardner's mom, was a good person with good morals. And that's... <laughs> she's a niece who was unnamed from one of her three ex-husbands. Oh. So who... The, who Like, how who much knows? contact was she having with this person who's saying i mean i'm not saying she's a good person or not a good person but the niece of one of your ex-husbands were you spending a lot of time with her to see i mean i don't Hmm. i don't know but i got most of the information from local news channels and of course wikipedia and uh caitlin rother yes i got a lot from lost girls yeah did you you actually read the book didn't you i did i've read it twice oh wow it was. It was really, yeah. it moved well. It's it's a controversial book, though, of course. Yeah. So, but I think she did a good job researching it. She was on the Union Tribune staff at the time, so. Oh, yeah. I believe she's got a good 
a lot of good there intel. is a there was a book her book that was signed by john gardner that was on ebay yes. for like 300 and something dollars yes. i don't did they make him take it down yes or is that, yeah. you're not allowed to profit from a murder that you did yeah well but you're not who, allowed to profit from your crimes but who, if it was someone, if it wasn't him that was getting That's the money, true. like if it was her that was selling it or somebody got a hold of it, I don't know. I think eBay just took it down because it was gross and they don't want their tacky. name associated. Yeah, it's, that's not nice. No, they don't want their name on that. We're not doing the Manson fucking paintings and shit. We're not going there. Yeah, one day we'll cover it. All right, well, that's a wrap then. That's a wrap. We will see you next week. <laughs>